Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bottled. The 11th episode today is with Danielle Zuo. In this episode, we discuss the Sydney Trains Network, global human migration, the good and bad side of history, freedom of speech and its limitations, and the journey of an artist. Please enjoy. You know, I talk to a lot of Sydney siders uh, who've been here since forever, who were born here, and they say there's a lot more apartments coming in around Sydney. It's going to expand like anything. It's going to boom in 10 years. Yeah, and that's not going to be a good thing mm. because apartments are growing. The train network isn't. Mm-hmm. The bus yeah. network, it's a mess. Yeah, bus, I agree. But train, I think it's still very good. It's one of the best I've seen ever in Sydney. It's good. Right now, yeah. It's good when it works. When it doesn't, it's really, really, really bad. Yeah. When you say it doesn't, as in the um, the delays and stuff. When there's one delay, the whole network just pretty much shuts down. Yeah, but you know how complicated that is. Like it's 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 a massive network. It, it, it's like a butterfly effect. You can't really control these things. How do we fix it then? Uh, for one, you uh-huh. do better subcontracting from the government. I heard from one of my friends before. Yeah. He used to work for the train network. Uh huh. Basically, what they do is they cut costs in the short term, but then in the long term, they have a lot more maintenance. That's why you see uh, track work every every uh, mm. every few weeks or so. Yeah, it's because they they skimp out on the initial costs. Yeah, and then they do a lot more maintenance, which in the long run costs more. Mm. Which why bother? Yeah, maybe it's a strategy. Like people are employed, and there's always something happening. And then, you know, if you if something breaks down, there's a better opportunity to make something new. Maybe maybe it's, you know, that's how it was all planned. On one hand, it's because my, because technology is growing so fast. Yeah. They feel like it's not worth the investment. It'll mm-hmm. go obsolete in like one year or two years. Yeah. But, you know, there's two sides to every story. Exactly, yeah. You know, the funniest thing I've ever heard, um, the light rail in Sydney, apparently it was much better. It was years ahead, 50 years ago. And now it's just one line leading from Randwick to City and a few other places. Yeah, there was a photo online that showed the uh, tram network before. Uh-huh. It went all the way up to the north, um, to like the beaches, and it went like to the west as well and stuff. But yeah, and the, that's the light rail we're talking about. Yeah, Fuck, holy shit, man! It's what it's it, it's the fact that Sydney is so complicated and it's just like a scribble on the map there's it's it's not really planned um and you had such a good tram network that was taken away it's just funny i don't get why it's i think the problem is that it's a it's a very normal problem it happens everywhere mm. um you see it less in china because they only have one government but which is good or bad you you can take it however you want it's because governments are very short term they only think about the immediate future. They don't really plan ahead. Yeah. If they can get more um, bang for their buck today, even tomorrow, then they'll go for that, which is why I think Tram Network had to go. Yeah. Partly because it's good. It's, exten- it's extensive, but I wonder if it was uh, valuable, like yeah. if enough people used it for it to be profitable. 
or even for it Back to be then. upgraded into a train net, a complete train network. Yeah. Like you said, there's always two sides to the story. There must have been a reason why it was taken off. Yeah. It was all taken away. Yeah. I mean, whilst I like to think that the government knows what they're doing, they they honestly do, but a lot of people think they don't. But there's obviously reasons to why they probably took it out. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm a believer in um, the fact that people know what they're doing. Even the government, you know, look at the city, man. Sydney is so beautiful, even the skyline and how just the way it works. It's one of the best. It's it's just so beautiful compared to Brisbane. I've never been to other um, countries apart from Nepal uh, and Australia, but compared to brisbane melbourne's okay but melbourne's nice it's uh, melbourne is so different because it's uh, have you be- ever been there to the city i honestly haven't actually been to melbourne no i think i drove there once when i was a kid yeah but honestly i forgot mm. it's so different the city because you go there and there's a lot of trams uh, the network is much better than sydney and there's like uh, the the trams still have these bells like ting 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 instead of uh, electronic stop signs or uh, signals to the driver it's like a ting 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 uh, the bell yeah and you're walking around the city you hear that it's it's just a different vibe however I'd, Sydney um, any day honestly it's the weather the it's not that crowded as people think it is and it's just a bit underrated in my opinion you know one of the reasons why I actually live in Sydney today and not Melbourne mm-hmm. my parents actually started off in Melbourne really but the reason why they moved to Sydney it was so it was so cold in Melbourne. That's why they said they moved. Yeah. Every time I've been to Melbourne, it's never been sunny. It's always rained or it's always been a gloomy day. Today is not bad. Today is um, it's a, it's a, it's like a mixture of sunny and. So, uh, it's the UK weather. Yeah. From what I hear, it's always raining there. You've been there? No. I yeah. see. I see the online uh, videos and mm. comments. I know. Even movies. Even the movies are always gloomy, right? It's it's. I've never seen a London or UK sunny. No, now that you mention it, I actually haven't seen it either. Yeah, think about it. Never. I've I've got friends in in the UK, and their stories uh, around the London Bridge, this and that. It's never sunny. It's always either raining, windy, or gloomy. Yeah. Nepalese friends in UK. Yeah. Do they like it more than Australia? Have they been to Australia? Some of them have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, they. Uh, I, I guess it's the same thing. To be honest, it's uh, as long as you can live. Uh, a lot of people around the world. As long as you can live safely, you can have a stable source of income, and uh, at least see a pathway for yourself. And there's a, not a lot of disturbance, um, instability in terms of politics. Then that's fine. Anywhere in the world is fine. I guess it's the basic that you've got to feel safe for not just for yourself but for your family as well. And that's why a lot of people travel, migrate. No, I think it's more so. I guess safety is our thing. Mm. I learned it in uni. uni. Mm. It's like a, it's like a high level of need. Yeah, it's like the most important one. But what I feel like actually makes people feel content mm. is the fact that they have a goal set in mind. Like, if you have a goal set in mind, you can ov- overlook the bad things you have currently, mm-hmm. because in the future, you know, you have a positive mindset that it's all going to work out. Yeah. What's a goal set defined? Like, um, you know, if you can see yourself either in a place you're content with at the moment or you can see yourself growing or learning, actively learning. I feel like that's the type of thing that keeps you in check, Mm. relevant. Yeah. See, that's that's, that's people's mindset. That is true in a way, but it does not apply to to the majority of the population who migrate. So we're talking about migration, right? People Mm -hmm. moving away from where they were born. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, from what I've seen firsthand um, is firstly safety, like you said. Second, um, the stability as well. And when I say safety, it's not just um, about physical harm, 
but it's also about the future of the nation. If you don't see where it's going, if the um, the government cannot deliver a certain path, then people leave. I guess that's a goal in a sense as well, right? Mm. You want stability, you want more safety. Yeah. That's some people's goals. True. Yeah, your parents came 1990s? Yeah. yeah. I I don't tell people a lot of this. Yeah. I don't think my dad wants to talk about it either. Mm. But, um, you know, when China was not a good political climate, Yeah. my dad, I think he was a reporter. Really? Yeah, that might have been one of the reasons why he came to Australia. Because he wanted to get away from all of that. Yeah, and um, also because of the one-child policy, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he wanted, like, a friend for my sister. That didn't really work out, but, yeah. you know. See, that's another reason why as well, like, goal set. Okay, that that links to what you said. Maybe your dad's goal was to have a family with, you know, uh, with two children, three children, and then you know, that, that China just didn't fit his need. Like more stability, he wanted. He probably could have seen more career progression. Yeah, like he was a like a white collar a job person in China. Mm. He came here, became a chef, which like in traditional Chinese families is a step down. Yeah, but for him, he could see like a better career progression even in here than back home. So yeah, no, hundred percent. And as an immigrant, the the starting phase is always like that. Like you, you're a chef or you work in an industry that's not yours, which is understandable because I, in Nepal, I was doing a completely different job than I did when I came here. And it's, um, it's just the way things work. And that phase itself is so hard. It's so fucking hard because imagine uh, the difference is a plane ride back home just 24 hours before you're doing something else something completely different in a completely different environment 24 hours later you're in a land where you're not recognized and that makes you feel like the world is such a big fucking place you don't know that and not you in particular but you know you don't know how big the world is yeah and it's it's kind of scary sometimes you know when you like even if you go on holidays for a bit to somewhere else you stay there for like one or two weeks it feels very foreign to you and it honestly makes it a lot harder for you to go out of your comfort zone and try something new mm. just because like you even you can even run the possibility of getting lost at night can't find your way home yeah and i guess that's a scary part of uh starting something new and honestly i respect that you know people that can be like okay i'm just going to go overseas get a new job over there yeah. and start a new life i feel like that's very hard for me mm. in the future even if australia isn't as good as it is now yeah i think i'd still have a preference to stay in sydney rather than like move to America or Canada. Mm. But here's the thing, you haven't seen that. That's why you can say this. When when the time comes, when you realize that you, you when you when you think that you've seen everything, when you you think that oh yeah, you've seen the the west in Australia and you you feel for your life. You're like when you can't sleep because you can't see a future in the damn country. Um, that's when things may change. Disclosure, I was very happy in Nepal. M- my reason for leaving Nepal uh, was completely different. Um, I wanted to study, just, you know, just see new things. I was doing really well. But um, just linking to your point, it's when you see things f- uh, that are bad, that's that's gone down the drain, it, things will change. You're saying this now because, you know, you, you don't have to think about moving abroad. Yeah, because I'm comfortable now. Mm. And for me, like, stepping out of my comfort zone isn't something I really need to do right now. Yeah. Right now, I just need to experience new things. Like, experience what else Australia has to offer. Yeah. Before I move. Here's a question I've always um, thought about. So, as a Chinese born overseas, when you see people from China coming in fresh off the boat, fresh off the plane, 
Do you connect with them in a certain level? Um, I feel like I still do. Um, even though my culture is like a lot different now than before, because uh, they're really a lot more conservative, and I'm more open-minded about stuff. But um, I still feel like a cultural connection. So when I see them doing embarrassing shit on the internet, yeah, uh, we have a term called like losing face. Uh huh. And like, I just get so ashamed that I'm like, I can't believe that my people are doing this sort of thing uh. because it's like. If you see something and you feel ashamed, I feel like you still have a connection to them. You know, mm. like if I see my family doing some like shady shit, I'll yeah. just be like, please stop. But like, you have a direct connection there. Yeah. yeah. It, but like, it's the same, it's a similar, it's a similar level of shame that I feel when I see like Chinese people doing like all these like bad things. Uh huh. And yeah, that's what I feel like, um, what kind of connection I still have with them. Like I yeah. still resonate with them a lot. Love the food. Yeah. But when I go back, uh, when I go back to China to like visit the visit my cousins and that sort of thing, it feels a lot different to what I was used to when yeah. I st- when I was there before. Mm. So do you do you feel the resonation with China itself, the country? No, I no. I, I don't have a connection to places. Yeah, I have a connection with the people because um I have met a lot of great Chinese people before, mm. and they're really open minded. They're really uh, welcoming. Yeah, they make a lot of good food. And that's the type of people like I feel like I feel very comfortable with as well. And even in Australia, you meet these people. Um, I'm not going to be like, okay, I'm I'm a bird person. Mm. I I only like it there just because I like the people that live there, kind of mm. thing. Got it. Yeah. So it, it's more the people yeah. that uh, that's just that pulls you into that cultural um, journey, I guess. With, yeah. with China, yeah, it's so funny, right? Because the world has uh, progressed in such a, a good manner. Like people from all around the world living in a country, and you go to Sydney Opera House, you, you know, when things were normal, when people were still traveling, you could see people from different nationalities: Indian, Chinese, Mongolian, Japanese, Americans, Canadians, everybody in one place. And uh, the fact that the coronavirus has disrupted all of this, it just breaks my heart. Do you want? I want to go back in time, just you know, just travel. I want to go back to Nepal just for a month, just travel with my friends and family. I don't know what's that's going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, go back in time, go to that fish market in China, uh-huh. shut down everything. <laughs> but do you really think that happened? It came from the fish market. I guarantee you. Even if I went there and told the government, it would still be the same. What do you mean? Explain. Like if, let's say, hypothetically, I go back in time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I tell the government, I'm yeah. like, I'm from the future. Yeah. This is not it, guys. Shut down the place. Quarantine everyone for a month. Yeah. Coronavirus will still happen. And look, there's theories um, about the origins of it. Yeah. They found samples in France like like half a year before it uh, actually occurred. Mm. They found samples in uh, America. America experienced a large level of um, flu mm. or flu-like symptoms even uh, two to three months before it happened in China. Mm-hmm. We these sort of things just because of the nature of how people and governments operate. I don't think we'll ever find the origins of it. Yeah, but um, look, we, there's no point playing the blame game. No, nah, just fix it. Not at all. Yeah, but what we should consider is there's one thing that scares me is what if there is a certain group of people handling all of this? What if we're like the puppets and they're the masters and we're just being played with because there is a bigger agenda at hand? That is what scares me. I mean, pandemic, it happened. I mean, there's, like you said, there's no one to blame. It's just we've got to protect ourselves. Um, but what if it happens again? What if something bigger happens this time? 
And what if it's uh, if what if it's man-made? Yeah, I mean, there was a time before where I thought, okay, this might have been man-made, but it was a very very big miscalculation. Uh-huh. So I'm assuming if it was man-made, like my theory was that it was a, a virus that was to a lot to a lot a lower degree. It was less infectious. Um but it probably mutated halfway through or something like that. Yeah. Which is why suddenly we saw that spike in China. Um, because that was like a mutation. Everyone suddenly started getting catching the thing. Mm. But like on the other hand, can we really trust people to be governments to be that organized? Yeah. Like they can't even fix the rail network sometimes. Do you expect them to like plan like a global conspiracy? Yeah, but you never know. Uh, you, you, people have, they've got minds, they've got power and the money. And when you have these three, and you, when you know people who can pull strings, uh, then you never know what's going to happen. That's why so many things, uh, you know, are still in question, like nine eleven or uh, the moon landing. Um, yeah. There's another picture, uh, a Chinese picture, that gives me the shit. Um, Tiananmen Square. Have mm-hmm. you seen the... Um, the tank, the guy, yeah, in front of the tank, the tank man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And is it true when you talk about when you try and talk about Tiananmen Square to a Chinese person, they don't, they prefer not to talk about it? Yeah, it's not that the people don't want to talk about it. I feel like, um, I think on one hand it might be a like a shameful kind of thing. On the other hand, it might be like they're scared mm. just because of how tightly regulated China is as a country. Um. I tried talking to my dad about it once. Uh-huh. He didn't really want to talk about it either. I think there's an element of trauma there as well. Like, it's not something people want to remember mm-hmm. as well. Like, yeah. um, I mean, every country's done shady shit. 100%. Like, you just have to study modern history. Like, you look at all the stuff CIA has done. Mm. You look at all the stuff, like, even England has done. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Canada's done some scary shit as well. Yeah. But, you even know. Japan, who they say is the most peaceful nation. Yeah, that was, there was a time when that wasn't a thing. Mm. But, you know, we can't really go about comparing what bad stuff people's done. Mm. Um, You look at the good. So when I think of China, I don't, whilst I don't agree with the government, I like the people. Mm. And like a country is more than just the government, right? And yeah. Yeah, I guess um, shady shit, bad shit, they just uh, stick to your head. And that's why you sort of tag the uh, the entire uh, civilization with that sort of thing, but yeah, Chinese people they 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 were some of the most amazing people I've ever met. That's just so nice. It's it, they're very Asian, and when I say very Asian, as in they respect other cultures in a certain way, they do have that sense of hospitality as well. At least the people I've met, and it's very Asian. Do you agree that you know you when you greet someone, when you meet someone, when you invite someone to their house, there is a whole level of. Um, interaction with the guest yeah i think it's more like an honor system kind of thing yeah. like when you invite someone to your house it's like your duty to make them feel like welcomed mm. you know you don't want to be it's like you're very focused on what other people think of you yeah like if you go to someone's house you don't want to be like really really uh sketchy and penny pinching you know mm. you want to make you want to see make yourself feel um outgoing mm. and i think that's a really good value to have if you want to feel people, if you want people to feel more connected, you got to pay more respect to people, and part of that is like you know, um, investing where you need to, you know, in, yeah. in these like relationships in people. And I think one thing that honestly makes me feel a bit sad mm-hmm. is when people 
because people, you, as you said, people think more about the negative things than the positive things. Yeah. And people just connect what the government's done to the people as a whole is, I feel like, not a very good outlook. Mm. Yeah. Because, like, when I when I think about China, I don't think about like the atrocities they've done, type of shit they do. Yeah. Um, I think about like the good people I've met. Yeah. The the food, the places, the journeys that people have in the countries. Mm. Like when I think about Canada, I think about all the good they've done. Yeah. Like even when I think about America, I don't, you know, I don't lump politics with yeah. the people, even though that's becoming less and less, mm. um, less and less uh, segregated, I guess. Um, so yeah, when that's just one of the things that's yeah. been like on my mind a few, like now, because when people talk about America, they all talk about like Donald, what Donald Trump's done, that sort of Very thing. Very interesting. Yeah. Which is a thing that people should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they should really be blaming the people that much about it. Mm. So when you say blaming the people that much about it, who's blaming who though? So people are blaming Trump supporters just for that particular example. Yeah. Like, let's say even when we look at the election, um, why is it that close? Like, in my mind, there was no way he was getting even more than 40% of the votes. You mean Trump? Yes. Um, yeah. Like Biden, whilst a lot of people might not agree with mm. what he has to say, come on, there shouldn't be that much. And especially um, when I look at who's actually going for Trump and that sort of thing, yeah, it doesn't tell me that the people themselves are bad. Yeah. Or oh, well, to to a degree, they might be. I'm mm. not gonna point fingers. Yeah. See, for, as a, as outsiders, uh, we don't really see what's happening there because. Um, what the decisions that Trump made or the decisions that Obama made, it didn't really directly affect us because we're not in the country. Because the, the people that affect, that who were affected were Americans working a normal life, working a normal living. So yeah, I completely agree to the fact that if you support, support Trump, uh, yeah, one shouldn't classify that person as bad. Um, but what should be classified as uh, questionable is things that are very uh, delicate, very... Um, it's just just plain wrong. Like for example, asking the people to stop counting, or uh, just you know getting Supreme Court's order, uh, just because he's losing. Uh, these things you can't really expect this from the leader of the free world, um, is what they say. And that, that, that my problem with uh, Trump is that that you as a leader, you're the president of the United States. It's one of the most highly appreciated positions in the world. People look up to you. Like Obama, he may not be the best president, but the guy looked like the president he walked like the president he he spoke like a person you can learn from yeah and that's i feel like that's one of the uh, asian values and stuff that you see a lot very similar in china yeah like let's be honest trump if you're gonna do a lot of the bad things that you've done at least pretend or at least have the decency to like pretend like even for a bit that you're good right yeah like he's so it's so blatant in the things he does exactly yeah the blatancy is the problem uh, there, uh, in my opinion. And people just stopped caring. Like it's mm. become so bad that, like, oh, he's he's broken the law again. Yeah. Wow, that's like the third one. And then yeah. the next day, they just go back to doing the normal things. Yeah. The last four years have been incredibly thrilling, man. So as of today, as we speak, we don't know who the president's going to be for the US. Uh, but we we talked about the numbers earlier as well, right? Let, let's have a look. How many people voted for Trump? Um, I think it was uh, in the tens of millions. Uh, a lot more than 10 million 
So Donald Trump's got 70,313,138 votes as of now. That's 12.24 Sydney time on a Saturday on the um, 7th of November. So we don't know who the president's going to be, but it's 70 million people voting against uh, uh, Joe Biden or other candidates it's uh, it's amazing, uh, even after so much that uh, so many things that have happened. And um, yeah, and that's I feel like is a direction. I think it speaks to the problems that we're going to have as a society in the future as well. Yeah, that's honestly the power of media. Just because I highly doubt that the people that voted for Trump, a lot of them, uh-huh. can see a direct be- can. Um, have actually have a direct benefit from him as the president presidency yeah it's more of um the feeling they get when he when he's speaking the inclusion they get by being part of the group of trump supporters yeah because they there's like a level of passion there for them as well for trump supporters yeah that they feel they're included it's finally something they're included in Mm. and they feel like um it's like a time when they're actually in charge Mm. and they're able to like make a difference whether it's good or bad yeah for the country Mm. Exactly, because like you told, uh, we talked about earlier as well, Trump supporters, the votes he's received are all in the middle part of the US, uh, the, just the central part of the USA. And it's like a fight between the the coastal areas and the middle, uh, and the uh, let's say the desert, in, like Nevada. And just people are just frustrated there, uh, around the world as well. But the US politics has become so public, it's like a reality show now. Yeah, and it's like people are venting their frustration, fr- frustrations out on the polls. And I think that's one of the reasons why Trump actually got in 2016. Yeah. I feel like there was a small group of people that thought it would have been, like, fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people that are well off don't really care about these sort of things. They just see it as, like, an amusement kind of thing, which I feel like is very wrong. Mm. And But, yeah, um, I'll be honest. I don't really talk about politics that much in public. Yeah. Just because I'm a lot more wary of people now than I was before. Before I was a lot open about like my opinions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this sort of things Mm -hmm. for um, is a bit dangerous. Mm -hmm. Just because with a lot of media that's going around, it's very dangerous for you to make unsubstantiated claims. Yeah, we see a lot of articles online that sometimes it just slips out. You just mention it, and that really changes people's opinions. And I feel like it's very important now than ever to like fact check make sure your information is correct 100% yeah before you like form an opinion just because you know I think Kevin Rudd's doing a great job right now making sure that happens in the future Mm. he's Rupert Murdoch not a not a not a great uh, figure for the future Mm. but uh, 100% agreed this is the information age that's this is this is when information is just available at hand and it's right there and you can before you talk you've got to fact check things yeah and i guess it 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 also is on the basis of um the level or the chair you hold as well because let's say for example because as human beings for thousands of years we communicated we talked and talked and talked and talked and i'm i've mentioned this quite a few times in previous podcasts as well that this in my opinion is the best time to be alive because uh, you feel safe even regardless of where you are in the world I'm sure there are people who have, who don't have it as good as we do, but um, the chances of you dying or chances of you being murdered outside um, is has decreased substantially compared to what it was a hundred years ago. Um, and my point was, 
that we talked. People uh, as human beings, we talk to each other. As an artist, for someone who's an artist, a musician or a poet or someone who composes music, the restrictions of our society shouldn't be imposed on them. People like them should be able to, they should be given freedom of speech. Like, doesn't matter what you say. Because I'll give you a funny story. In so many places in the world, musicians are taken into custody, into jails. They're locked up because they write music about uh, about people. And um, that's the short, uh, sort of thing I'm not. Um, I'm not a big fan of. I'm against that sort of thing. If someone's a musician, uh, as, as long as it doesn't detriment someone else's living, they should be given the ability to speak and write. I mean, yeah, I guess there's two sides. Like I've said to everything, um, mm. freedom of speech. It's a very good thing. I I'm a hundred percent for it. Yeah. But I guess there should be like a limit, just because freedom of speech it doesn't really give you. Um, there's no restrictions you can do whatever you want mm. and for now the internet has become such a great platform for you to reach more people it's actually become more dangerous as well yeah just because um you can say you can say something fake and chances are someone at least one person is going to believe you in the world and i feel like whilst it's so great that we're able to voice our own concerns our own opinions everywhere in the, around the world it's also become a lot more dangerous than it has in the yeah. past just because of where our priorities were compared to like the the start of the 2000s yeah and you never know it's like the butterfly effect you're doing something you say something that could inspire the other person to do something else and it's like you know what you initially said could have been not the truth but yeah it's like a butterfly effect you never know where things are gonna go and the worst part of it your intention couldn't your intentions could have been good yeah but you built upon someone else's wrong opinions or incorrect or factually incorrect opinions. Yeah. And you just made it worse. It's like a megaphone kind of thing. True. Yeah. And when I think of that, I, I miss uh, years um, like 2000. Like, you know, when, when we're just getting there, the internet is just coming along. It's like the internet bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, the... the Dot-com bubble, right? That, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. And then um, you're sort of getting there. The phones are getting better. Um the TV is still there as well. Information is not as quickly spread from one place to the other, but it still is. Uh, you have chat messengers and stuff. I miss that era. Like the music was so good. The video games were so much better. And I'm, I'm watching Black Mirror right now. And it's that show, man. It's, um, it's, it's dark, it's, uh, but it speaks the truth. Yeah, that's the one reason why it's so dark. Just because um, like if you, showed it, if you showed it to someone in 1960, they'd laugh. It'd probably be like some sort of sci-fi. Yeah. But right now, it feels a lot like a documentary. <laughs> it, 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 so, it feels so real, right? It's, that's, so, yeah. that, that's very well put. That is so true. It, it's not funny anymore for us. Yeah, it's like, you know, like you're just laughing and then after a while, the laughing just stops just because you start thinking then. Yeah. It's not like it's starting to go from, you know, Simpsons absurd, mm-hmm. like Simpsons, right? They use a lot of absurd uh, opinions, ideas, yeah. And then, like ten years later, it's it's the it's become fact, which yeah. is uh, you know, not great. Yeah, but it's so funny. The Simpsons. There's so many things that came true, like Donald Trump winning the presidency back in 2016. Yeah, and the worrying part of it was they did it as a joke, as something yeah. that would completely like would not come true. Like yeah. when they predict technology. It's whatever. They're just using their minds and then technology is making it happen. Mm-hmm. But when they say very absurdist jokes and stuff and the jokes come true, that's not a great outlook. No. 
But it maybe is that there's no, no such thing as bad publicity because they did it before time. Unless there is a suspicion, like a reasonable doubt that they know they have information that we don't. Yeah. Then, yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, that's the thing. That's, that's another problem with 2020 that we've got to take these things as a grain of pinch of salt or whatever you say. What's the expression? As take a, everything with a grain of salt. That's exactly it. Like sometimes that's the that's the whole problem with um with 2020 in my opinion. I love the technology. I love the information age that we're entering right now. Um, but I don't like the fact that there are restrictions that are completely senseless. Um, it is required. I'm a firm believer in law. I like uh, I like following rules and regulations. Um, as you may know. Um, but um, yeah, some things are just absurd. You know, and I feel I like to think that um. You know, good or bad, we're actually in a golden age right now. Mm-hmm. It's like um, we're in a golden age where technology is good enough that um, we're able to live comfortably, but not so good that it's actually started to corrupt. Yeah. You know, because technology has two sides. It Whilst it um, helps us live better, you know, it really doesn't help us in the long term when no. it becomes better and better. Just because, you know, we've seen movies, like even cartoons like WALL-E and stuff, shows a very absurdist future yeah but not one that's so absurd it's um unfeasible you know we could all become fat people in the in a spaceship floating in outer space doing nothing but looking at um advertisements and talking to people over the internet every day no but that is true and that makes me wonder to what's to what degree do you need technology um you would need in my opinion you would need technology for um public transport or maybe education to gain a better understanding of the world, science and technology, or maybe uh, space exploration. But do you really need technology to make your life easier to do the things you could have done just by walking to the kitchen? That's, um, that's, that's my uh, concern there. I'm happy with the outer world progressing, but not with, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons why our species grew um, from like little cells, just because we needed to do more things. Yeah. Right. We as like within our own bodies, we had to do more. We had to think more. We had to, uh, you know, we had to stop walking on four legs, start using two hands, and that's why we grew into like a great civilization, and one of the and the greatest um, animals on earth, just because we had to do more. Mm-hmm. And the fact that technology is now replacing that evolution that we used to have, that's a sign that we as a people are regressing. Mm-hmm. And you know, technology is, is making things simple. Great, it's connecting us. That's all good and stuff, but to a point, there's going to be a time when things become too simple. We stop thinking, we stop, uh, you know, doing things. Our muscles start atrophying. Yeah. No, that's not the type of things no. I'm looking forward to. Exactly. Like, very good point about making things simple. To what extent, to what degree do you need to make things simple? Like, there are things you've got to, like, you need physical activity as well. You need to use your hands and legs and and the brain. Um, the episode White Christmas, you've seen it, right? So, spoiler alert, if you want to skip this part, you can. But, um, so you take a, a bit of your brain cell, put that into a, a sort of like an egg called a cookie, and the egg becomes a human, a fragment of who you are, and it's doing things for you, controlling things in the house. That's not far away. I'd say that's about 200 years from here, from now on. Um, and it probably could be used in better ways like uh, space exploration or learning about history, going to places we've never been before, and then probably, you know, excavations and stuff. But yeah, personally, personally, it shouldn't be introduced in the house. 
honestly, the only thing that's stopping us from doing that sort of thing we see in Black Mirror mm-hmm. is probably the Geneva Convention. Because uh-huh. yeah. I guarantee you, uh, companies have thought of those, those yeah. things. Com- uh, like a corporate body would have thought about the things that Black Mirror thought of before mm. they made the episodes. Yeah. Or maybe the makers of Black Mirror know things we don't. Or they've seen things that are being made right now. I mean, a global conspiracy is not unfeasible. Uh-huh. There's a lot of things... Like, everybody is confined. They don't have all the information in the world. Yeah. I feel like sometimes there's too many irregularities for you to um, ignore it. You know, a lot of things... A lot of times I like to think that people are smart enough mm-hmm. to organize these sort of things. But, you know, the more I look over the world, the less the less likely it is. Yeah. Just because of how much we've actually regressed. I yeah. feel like in... You know, in the past five or six years, I've seen a lot of regression in the world. Mm. Why are we going back to the same things? And why are we, again, doing repeating the same actions we did that led us to like World War One, World War Two, right now? Yeah. I mean, it's a collection of things, right? But the World War, if it happens, hopefully it never does. But if it happens, it's going to be a completely different one. Uh, we don't know what technology is being hidden with uh, superpowers out there. Like, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a... Uh, if it happens, it's uh-huh. uh, it's more of a when it happens sort mm. of thing. It's inevitable. Yeah. Um, so you think it, it's it is going to happen? It's yeah. Um, you see a lot of games and stuff like you know Fallout. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You know those post-apocalyptic ones. The only thing stopping com- countries from clawing each other to death is other com- other countries' outlooks on them. Uh-huh. And, Such as you know, um, you know, if China had no shame whatsoever, yeah, they'd be a lot more direct with what they do. True. You know, they still have, like, that 1% of... They still want to kind of hide it. Yeah. You know? they, they still have that, that connection with the outer world somewhere down there. They like still have, like, a yeah. minuscule amount of common decency, you know, yeah. to at least pretend like they're not yeah. the bad people. But there's also that uh, interest. Like, they are still connected with the world, and they have, like... You know, they still want to maintain that relationship, relationship, but maybe sort of not. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a bit confusing time for them as well. But China as a country is so self-sufficient. They don't really, if, if, even if they were to be transport, transported to another planet, I feel like they would survive. They've got the manpower, they've got the factories, they've got the technology, they've got education, the people. Yes, but I feel like they know that currently they're not invincible. Mm. Um, just because renewables, resources are not as perfect as we would like them to be. Yeah. The second oils are out of the picture guarantee you everyone else's all the countries will be a lot more passive aggressive yeah and they'll be like um you know if they feel like they're invincible mm-hmm. they're gonna take more drastic measures like china right now they can't even gain complete control of the um south china sea mm. how are they gonna uh, well, you know what, what's happening there with the south china sea I have a lot no of idea. passive aggression you know starting to build islands expanding their reach oh, just okay. because it's uh it's a very key part for china uh-huh. it's their it they're very landlocked apart from that area. Yeah. Just because, you know, there's a lot of islands around them. Uh-huh. And um, the thing is, the US has a very good connection to a lot of the countries there. So I feel like China feels like the US is uh, kind of stepping out of bounds there. That's oh, why okay. they're trying, trying to... Invade. Yeah. But mm. you, you see all the conflicts right now are people trying to play chicken. Mm. They will play passive aggressively but they won't actually make the first move just because yeah. then they can blame the other side. And mm. both sides know it. Yeah. And that's what's keeping us civil right now. Yeah. I hope it does. I hope it stays this way because I don't want the world to end in any way, any shape or form. 
because I just want to live, man. Let me live. I'm like 28, you're what, 22? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Daniel, um, with a double L, officially welcome to Bottled. Oh, thanks. So, uh, <laughs> it's what, 30 minutes in now? <laughs> I got the welcome. Was, it, was that all bloopers before then? <laughs> it was all bloopers. Now we're getting, we're getting warmed up. Um, I'll go to the toilet. I'll be back in about two minutes. So we've got a lot to talk about. Cool. Do you want to go as well? Alrighty. Back from pee break. That was fun. I mean, you met the housemates. That was fun. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good with uh, ethnic names, as you might have heard. <laughs> oh, I, did, I didn't. What happened there? Um, Dave told me his full name. Uh-huh. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like in my mind, you know, the buffering, you know, the, the Windows, bu- the, mi- the Mac buffering symbol. <laughs> I, I just pictured that while he was talking. <laughs> Oh, I was like, okay. holy. Oh, okay. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. So he said he said his name and you're like, there was a big pause and he said, that's my name. <laughs> yeah. No, I, like, I definitely heard it. I knew it was his name as well, but I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Yeah. And Justin's like, my name is Franco. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't question it, uh, but I, I, there's no Frank, there's no Frank here. There's a Franco Franco there. Franco. Top left. He doesn't look like a Frank. F-R-A-N-C-O, Franco. He doesn't look like a Franco either. No, he doesn't. There, there's a story behind this. So episode number six was with, was with Justin and he enacted Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, Franco, Franco. So there's a thing that uh, Justin does and his nickname is Franco now. Franco. Like, like James Franco? Franco. Yeah, James Franco. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. So... Um, We've been, what, have we met after uh, how many months? You Six. were working for like two weeks when I came. Two weeks? Yeah, you were there for like two weeks. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, was, I, was, I, I had been working for, no, not even two minutes. I think about a month. I was counting. Yeah. Two weeks is uh, shorter than two months. 50% of the month. Right, so um, I was working at the organization where I was working and then uh, Kurt and Daniel, they joined on the first day, uh, on, the, on the same day, sorry. Um, and yeah, it's been a journey ever since. And uh, one of the reasons why, why I really wanted you to be on the podcast is because you have this ever-smiling face. I told you um, in the invitation letter as well, but behind that face, behind that person is a lot of lot of things that that's happened um i can tell in terms of work in terms of you know general general life yeah i mean my outlook then was a lot better than it was before um i wasn't always smiling there's Mm. been a lot of uh things that happened in my life that makes me but i feel like when you're out with people uh with other people around you Mm. Like, there's no point being sad. Like, you don't want to burden other people with your problems, that sort of thing. Mm. Whilst it's uh, great that you have people to talk to, like, there's a delicate balance. You don't want to be always sad just because that makes you feel um, less welcoming, I guess. Mm, mm. And, like, I don't want to be the type of person that, like, depresses the room, you know? I enter and it's like, and it's like a, like a suicide house kind of thing. Yeah. See, uh, I guess that that's the coming of age um, as well because you develop these um, mechanisms for yourself that make you, that keep you happy. And um, you know how we were talking about how you're 22 and then I was 28 and I told you you've, you haven't seen a lot of things. Um, it, it is true in a way because Asian experience, they play a major role in um, just determining who you are. 
just giving you that mindset and giving you this safety net and this mechanism which you can use on a daily basis just keep uh you know keep your sanity i guess just the things you're comfortable with and the things you're not comfortable with as well um and um yeah so like you said you know you, you had a different mindset back then different outlook back mm -hmm. then yeah why do you think that changed now i think as a kid there was that level of perfection that asian parents want you to have yeah yeah you they want you to you know greet everyone be courteous don't uh, speak out of turn um yeah. you know don't say a lot basically i feel like it diminished your character a little bit mm -hmm. but you know i i just wanted to be perfect you know mm -hmm. so i just acted that way yeah to my parents and then there was that level when you enter high school mm. where you start thinking more about it you know yeah you listen to what your parents say early on just because you don't really think too much about it you're only thinking about what's on tv what toys i can get that sort of thing mm. but then your priorities change as you learn more you meet more people mm. you start thinking and then you start going to that rebellious phase where you start uh doing other things you yeah. know Start experimenting with depression. Mm -hmm. sort of yeah. thing. No, it happens. Depression is uh, not happens. a joke, but, yeah. um, you know, I like to downplay it a bit just because it's kind of a sad topic to talk about. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, it's sad to talk about, uh, but then, yeah, it's, it's not... It's, it's important to talk about. 100%, yeah. And we've, we've talked about it quite a few times in the podcast as well, uh, that mental illness is the only way to cure that level, that state of mind is to talk to people. Yeah, and just because um, a lot of absurd thinking that people have, mm -hmm. they only feel like it's absurd when they start talking to someone about it. And, you know, um, if you can't think of a way out, you know, you talk to other people. Yeah. That's why a lot of a lot of um, people that have depression, they start talking to, like, these helplines and that sort of thing, and mm -hmm. it really helps them. You wouldn't yeah. think a phone call is going to cause any like change anything right mm. but it really makes a big impact it does just because in their mind they feel isolated mm. but when you talk to someone even even someone's over the phone you feel that connection then and that will make that's what make you think about other things 100 percent. that's why music is so effective because um you're going through something and you you hear a song and you realize that someone out there is having the same feeling as you are and you go to YouTube, there's like millions of views and you feel like, oh, there are people who feel the same way. Yeah, and it's because you can actually feel the passion when you, you know, go online, you talk to artists, you listen to the music, you can feel that level of passion and yeah. you can, I know it's corny to say this, but you can kind of feel their own uh, outlooks on life and their journeys as well. Yeah. And that's what makes you think about other things mm. and, you know, opens up your eyes to the world. I feel like that's why artists and players and sports people, they're so highly regarded and um, also well paid as well, is because uh, it's being an artist is, is, is a very emotional journey. Being a doctor is incredibly hard. It's, 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 uh, it's like, you know, it's one of the hardest subjects to study. But that's, you, you've got to maintain that level of focus and mental well-being as well for yourself. But being and comparing that to being an artist, it's it's on a completely different dimension. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but uh, the reason why artists and players and musicians are highly regarded is because it's like you know you you can't be a normal person if you want to really excel in what you do. You've got to have that level of craziness, like Steve Jobs' advertisement: "Think different." Um, and that advertisement resonates with me so much. It's one of the best fucking advertisements in the world because uh, it speaks so much truth. Yeah, and, you know, it's 
I wouldn't want to diminish like artists or anything like that. Whilst mm. there are people that you know, there's easy ways into everything. There are artists that have like hand me downs. You know, they have very rich and they have a lot of connections that enables them to succeed. Mm-hmm. For the majority of the artists, it's a lot harder for them to be an artist than a doctor. Just mm-hmm. because to be a doctor, it's very very, um, it's very sequenced. You methodical. It's very methodical. You know. Your road is it's shown for you. You just have to study hard, put in the actual effort. I'm not saying that's easy, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of more. There's a lot more direction in um these you know university degrees. Yeah. Um. There's the, there's people that help you and stuff. But for a lot of the indie artists, it's a lot easier for them now than before, just because of the internet. You can learn a lot more things. Yeah. But they still have to think differently to normal people, and that's the way. That's what separates people. Yeah, um, that's what separates a lot of the great people from um, a lot of the ordinary people, mm. and you know, I, like I've said, there is definitely people that have it easy, yeah. easy way into um, into even to being being a doctor, being a very successful businessman, yeah, um, being an en- entrepreneur even, yeah. But for a lot of artists, you know, like Ed Sheeran, started begging on the streets. Wow, yeah, what a story, right? Yeah. And have you seen um, Post Malone's uh, videos as well on YouTube? He started off with uh, playing music uh, for, uh, sorry, playing Bob Dylan's music. The music he makes now is so different, right? He's like, he looks like this guy with a lot of tattoos on his face, and he, it seems like he makes d- different kind of music. But uh, the way he started was uh, was incredible. He's on YouTube as well. The way the, when he first started, um, it's so different, and it's it's such a long journey for people like Ed Sheeran or Post Malone. Yeah, and the reason why being an artist is so hard is because it's a big trap. Mm. When you start off, you feel like, okay, um, I made my first song, goes on the radio, and yeah. just like that, I've become like a multi-hit star. You know, I start going to Hollywood, getting drafted into like movies, becoming a, um, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. But no, that's not how it goes. No. You struggle for even up to like 10 years. Yeah. No one listens to your music, like no one even cares. But they have the drive to keep going at it. And, you know, they don't have a lot of opportunities. Mm. But when an opportunity comes, they're ready for it. Exactly. Yeah. They don't back up, back off. Yeah. They're like, you know, this is it. And they can they can see the, the, the vision there. This is it. This is my big thing. And they do it. And I, lo- I, lo- I love it when people have this tipping point, uh, especially artists, because it's... Um, they make so many videos, they make so many things, they push a lot of content out, and then there's there's one thing that happens. There's quite a, or a collection of few things that happen, and they just go big. And they're like, they're well-known, they're right there, on the top. But it's a long journey. Um, my interest in podcasting was um, because of this guy, Joe Rogan. Now, he started off with literally just on a webcam, um, Two guys talking about chimps and apes and monkeys and just things that if you hear the podcast now, number one, uh, Joe Rogan, the first episode ever, it is not going to make sense to you. There's a lot of uh, effects coming in, which is so different to his videos now. But seven years later, he's on his 16th, 1600th episode right now. And he, he's interviewed scientists and neuroscientists and astronauts and Bikers and racers, sports people, musicians, politicians, comedians, everybody. 1,600 episodes later, and he's number one in the world. Um, that looks like a lot of hard work to me, man. Yeah, and the thing is, he stuck by it. Um, and like many artists, there's definitely a level of uh, luckiness there. Yeah. Just because some some artists don't have like the resources to continue, and they he just hit it at a, um, at a good time as mm-hmm. well. 
and you know but the saying goes the harder you work the luckier you get right yeah you you make your own luck yeah yeah the, the harder you work the more people you meet and making connections is incredibly important especially in uh, an industry like music or acting as well like you've got to meet the right people to know the right people exactly you branch out from there yeah and that's why i say um there's an element of luck to it mm. because even if you're doing the same thing as what other people did like joe rogan mm. or like pewdiepie those sort of influential online personalities yeah you there's still a possibility for you to not succeed true yeah and it's not even that small it's very very large yeah it's like um, the i guess the greatest dilemma in an artist's mind are uh, uh, person, an online personality's mind is where is this heading? What is my future? Do I stick to this, try for 10 years and not go anywhere, not make a stable income? Or do I just leave everything behind and go back to my 9 to 5 job? Which I may not or may not enjoy. Um, and I guess that's the greatest dilemma. If that's answered, if that's tapped on, that's um, that's the key to life. Yeah, is this the sort of stuff you're thinking about these days? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Thank, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> no, just kidding. But am I going to continue this or go back to a deadbeat nine to five job? I don't, no, that's, a, that's <laughs> no. You you do think about these things. Uh, it's um, um, like where is this heading? Like I love doing this. I love talking to people. But where is this heading? Is a big question. That not just me, but I'm in a Facebook supporters uh, podcasters supporters group on Facebook, and uh, there's a lot of questions uh, surrounding this as well. That's why um, a hobby yeah, should. It, it should be designed in such a way you should create a system that can be done outside of your regular working hours yeah and it always it always starts like that and for successful people um they always start off as a hobby mm. um they don't really do something just because they might not necessarily see a future in it they do it because of their passion and their love for it like um you know people like the gaming t- twitch streamers yeah they start off because they love playing games and um, it shows, even when like podcasts and stuff, they're they're interesting people. They mm. um they have a passion for seeking out and talking about interesting things, mm. and that's the reason why it succeeds because it, the interest is so um apparent that even the viewers can feel it. Yeah, and they can feel the passion as well there, because um if you tap someone's emotion, that's when that's when you've done the right thing. Even as an organization, if you uh, let's say let's take an example of Uber, the uh, the company uh, Uber Eats and stuff. So what they've done is they've tapped the emotion uh, to make life simple. Like you, who could have who would have thought? My 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 parents they came to Australia just to visit me in 2019, early 2019. We don't have Uber in Nepal, so we don't have that system there. Parents came in. Uh, we went uh, to IKEA from Carlton, right, and uh, we took a cab. Um, we reached there and um, we got out of the cab. My dad asks me, you didn't pay him the money. Why didn't you pay him? He didn't know that it was Uber. <laughs> and look look at the simplicity there of, of getting things done. And I guess uh, even as an organization, as an individual, as a person, just talking to another person, if you tap the emotions, um, that's, uh, that's when you've hit the le- next level. Yeah, it's a key to success. Yeah. You've got to resonate with people. Yeah, you can say the most interesting things. Um, you know, you can explore the most um, outlandish concepts. If people don't understand you, if people don't, um, they don't feel the emotion behind it. There's no point. No, there's none at all. I guess uh, there's one thing you said when when we were working at the previous organization that will always always stay in my head um, is uh, about burning out. 
the the harder you work at something, if you don't balance it, if you don't have this, you know, um, if you don't really organize it in such a way that you're not tired, uh, but you're still having fun, um, then, then that's the key to success. Do you remember what you said that day? What, that I burnt out, like start of university? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was more so, okay, though, like, I, I think I pinpointed the reason why there was a lot of burnout. Mm. Um, for me, because, uh, you know, Asian household and stuff, the biggest yeah. thing for me there was HSC. Yeah. You know, I didn't really think more, much more about what I wanted to be, that sort of thing. So mm. once I've hit that goal, yeah, there was no, and there was no further goals for me. Yeah. So for me, the result of the HSC was who cares just because it's, I didn't see it as a step to achieve something greater. I just saw it as, as the end. And when it finished, yeah. There was no like grand reward, that sort of thing. Mm. That's why I feel like people burn out so quickly just because there's no active progression that in their minds. Mm-hmm. And once they've hit like a huge milestone, they don't see that um they don't see that huge growth just because for them what's the growth towards? They don't have an end goal. Mm. Uh, really really um or even um steps after you've hit the goals. And that's what I feel like burns out oh, a lot of people. That, that is so true. Like the question again, like where do I go from here? Where is this heading to? If you don't see a concrete pathway for yourself. Yeah, th- no, that is so true. See, man, things like this that you say that just they, they, they'll stick to me for the rest of my life. And yeah, um, I feel like it's very important that people understand this just because it's getting a lot easier for people to burn out mm. um, because it's a lot easier for you to do things and you can do things a lot quicker. So you meet your end goals a lot faster than it was before. And once you do, it's very, very important that you know what your next step is. Yeah. And uh, you even even if you don't know what end goal is, at least try to create some pathways for yourself mm. or some experiences that you want to achieve once you meet these goals so that you can um, think about, think further into the future. Yeah. So have a, have a plan. Yeah. Definitely. Look, if um, if like you said, Joe Rogan, if he had no plan for once yeah. he made it big, a hundred percent, he would have burnt out instantly. His um, production would have stagnated. Mm. But as you see, like a lot of personalities, once they've made it big, you just stop seeing growth. Mm. There's no um, like the level of their craft just stays the same, mm. and that's why a lot of people once they hit a peak, they start dropping so so quickly. Yeah. Because they didn't have the the plan for or the scalability there for themselves. Yeah, and not even just plan. They need to have multiple. Just because you know you're not never going to hit everything just as you um, imagine, unless you're super super lucky. Yeah, true. But how do you define luck, though? In in certain so how do you define luck in hard work? Um, it's one and the same. Um. If you work hard enough, you'll get, you'll seem more lucky to people. Mm-hmm. Luck is just a concept. People, mm. um, it's just a concept people make to um, be lazy as an excuse, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, whilst it could be an excuse, there is a level to it. Hundred um, percent. If you're someone that's lazy, you can still succeed. Mm. Just because if um, everything in the world is probability. You know, 50-50, you either make yeah. it or you don't. Yeah. Um, but if you work hard, you take the the right steps to meet more people, mm-hmm. then um, you get more lucky. Yeah. I guess the key is getting yourself out there, like out there in the open. The more people you meet, 
the more experiences um, you've gathered, the more insights or the more mindset you learn about. There is a YouTube uh, channel called Yes Theory um, and their brand is they started selling merchandise as well and they branded Seek Discomfort. They made a short film as well of one of the owners and um, the, the entire the, the motivation behind the short film was how they started and it's it's very different it's not a normal chank uh, sorry chank panel uh prank channel uh because they do very weird and very courageous things like for one of the videos was um so they go to the airport and they try and change a person's mind to travel with them to a destination of their choice just forget about the plans they had at the airport or where they were traveling to and just travel with them somewhere else. Yeah, I think yeah. I've seen a couple of the videos. I saw mm. the one where they um, came to Australia. Really? Um, to, uh, asked people around them on the streets if they wanted to go to Great Barrier Reef or something. Oh, and wow. They, they are like, you know, after a while, someone, someone agreed, they went. Um, and yeah, I think their branding is more like, it's not really, I wouldn't call it a prank. It's no. more, I'd say they, they're more like... Uh, on the same line as like activists yeah because they're here because activists what they want to do is they want to change they want change either perception or in real life and i guarantee you the stuff they do does change people's lives mm. just because um wait you said does or doesn't does mm. just because sometimes um there's people that are might be timid but mm. then just because they're so outgoing it makes them feel comfortable enough that they can uh you know be more trusting yeah good or bad mm. you know um, and go out and experience more things. Yeah, I guess the key is saying yes, uh, and that, that's how they branded the channel as well, just seeking discomfort. The more you d you're not comfortable about doing something, the more it makes you sweat, um, the more it teaches you. Yeah, and, you know, for all the viewers out there, or the listeners... If there's any. Um, whilst we are advocating that you go out and try new things... I always feel like you should uh, be a bit bit cynical mm -hmm. about um, all the new opportunities. If someone on, randomly on the street comes up to you, says uh, if you want to go somewhere in their van, there's a very, very, very high probability, yeah. like a 70, 80% chance that it's probably not great. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say yes to everything. Yeah, yeah. you got to fact check. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, uh, my man Daniel, it's been good so far. Good thing we're recording. Uh, hopefully, it's all recorded uh, as well, so we can use this brilliant episode um, into the podcast. But thank you, Daniel, for doing this. It's been uh, it's been fun for me. Wow, is it finally done? Are we, are we finished? We're <laughs> we almost done. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just I'm just messing. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, Thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, honestly, without um, I'm not even um, joking because uh, it's. It's fun. It's fun to talk to people. It's fun to talk about things. Um, and you are one natural talker. And the best part is you listen. Yeah. I think by just listening slightly. That's my, that's my dating advice, guys, by the way. You know, if you want, if you want to be in a healthy relationship or you want to, you know, appeal to the ladies, just listen even like 1%. Focus on something important that they said. And you know, um, bounce it back to them. Mm. Then you fake, even if you're not listening, you fake that feeling that you're listening. True. And that goes a long way. Mm. People feel appreciated, and that's one way to keep your friends as well. Yeah. There you go. Wise words by Daniel. You know how they say, judge a man by his questions, not by his answers. 
So true. Yeah. Man or woman by his questions. A lot, by of, their que- questions. A lot of questions there from you, so. <laughs> That's why I said it. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, um, ladies and gentlemen. That was episode number 11 with Danielle with a double L Zulo. 11 in November. <laughs> what's the What's the double L for? 11. The double L. Yeah, it's, it's episode 11, right? I, I knew that I was going to be 11th, so. Oh, it was all meant to be. Yeah, dude. It was all meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But, but seriously, what's the double L for? Um, theories. Um, my parents didn't talk about it a lot. They said it was going to be, they wanted to make my name interesting. But I guarantee you, in my mind, with a very low low degree of um, probability, yeah. um, of, sorry, error, I feel like my dad made a typo <laughs> and just decided to go with it because I uh, gave my sister a very normal name and I get stuck with whatever this was. <laughs> well, what's her name? Uh, no comment. But no. it's a, it's a very normal name. Jasmine, Cindy. No, no. Sam. No. no. Samantha. <laughs> um. Anyways. Um. But yeah. Cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, uh, guys, and thanks for uh, doing this, Daniel. Um. Anything you want to mention before we go? I'd like to thank our sponsors. If any. Yeah. Beatles is a sponsor. So is you two and Jack Daniels. Yeah, if any sponsors are listening, look, hit me up. <laughs> I can come back for another sponsored video. Do you have any sponsors? Nah, not yet. I haven't approached uh, anyone, but um, I, I guess uh, right now I'm just trying to figure out uh, how to make this more scalable, like we talked about earlier. Just, you know, try to branch out into you know multiple things that could make hey, the we, podcast go on forever. We can we can fake we can fake it and add, add with an endorsement we can fake an endorsement you know yeah this like, episode, like, a, like a sample yeah this yeah. episode is sponsored by apple <sighs> apple coffee <laughs> it's the best <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thanks for listening and cheers